You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. And that, and thank you, Church Body. I, I took a little video. I'm going to send it to Ed uh, to, and he's with his ministry team in the front lines there in Ukraine, and uh, he'll show them the video, and they'll be blessed. I know. Well, this is uh, the fourth part of our um, Burning Heart series, and uh, it has revolved around the this whole month of April around the two disciples that. Uh, after the resurrection of Jesus, were on their way back to Emmaus. These two discouraged, they, they thought, what has gone on? They're, they're discouraged. They, we've heard something about a resurrection happening, but you know, they weren't really convinced at that point in time, and, and so they were on their way back home, probably from Jerusalem to Emmaus, the two walking along, when a stranger comes along beside them and begins to share with them regarding some of the things that he said had to happen regarding uh, the Word of God, right from the prophets right through to the time that they were living in. And, and uh, at the end of that journey, um, at a meal, the stranger prays, and his eye, their eyes are open, and it's Jesus. Jesus was with them all along. Jesus was closer than they thought. Jesus is closer to you than you think. He always is. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He walks with us. And seeing Jesus in that moment stirred their hearts. And they said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? When God opens the scriptures to us and when he's with us, things happen. And, I, I, you know, Jesus begins to share these things. And I can't help but think that he turned their mourning into dancing. And as they ran back and, you know, I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord, I, I did not grow up in a religious home. I was 18, and I'd never been in church up until that point in time. And I remember the first time. I don't know if many of you may not be able to relate. Maybe some of you have grown up in church and may not be able to relate. But when I was invited for the very first time to a charismatic church, I mean, it was Pentecostal through and through. And there were, when I first went through, the, there were so many strange things happening. People were speaking in tongues, prophecy was being shared, hands were raised, flags were waved, songs were singing, and I was like, what is going on? This is wild. And it seemed like a bunch of out-of-control fanatics. But when I look back now on those early days, it was my introduction to a genuine, authentic, overwhelming joy of the Lord. A joy that I would grow to appreciate, participate in often, and from time to time now long for. And so when I came across this little Instagram story, I thought, I have to play this. It, that, that, that's caught my attention, and I thought, you know, that, that could be what it's like for people coming into a Pentecostal setting. You don't know what you're getting. You look out there, and your crowd goes, oh, my God. I was that, those, that group at one time, and now I'm one of the group there singing and dancing somewhere back there. Uh, it's our story, and, and it, there's an exuberance, and I didn't even know they were going to use that song to worship with today, but uh, the fact of the matter is we have a joy 
in knowing Jesus that needs to be shared and experienced. And if you don't have that, we need to remember, I, I set you up. I said, how many of you open to allowing God to do some new things in your heart? But first, a joke. After a very long sermon, the people filed out of the church saying nothing to Pastor Craig. It's always about Pastor Craig. I don't know why that works. Towards the end of the line was the chairman of the board, Jeff Quinn, who never said much regarding anyone's sermon. But today, Pastor Craig, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and love of God. Pastor Craig was thrilled. Jeff, you've never said anything about my preaching like that before. I'm so excited. Tell me why. Well, Jeff said, first, it reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all understanding. And secondly, it reminded me of the love of God because it endured forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor Pastor Craig. He never gets a break with me. Well, this morning in our Burning Heart series, there's two touching components to this message today. The first are, is the fiery challenges of living in a world controlled by the prince of darkness, by the unseen principalities and powers of the invisible realm, who are enforceable opposition to all you stand for. The touching point, the invisible realm. It, it, it's like there's two realms at work that is hard to connect a lot of times. There is the invisible realm. We know of the spirit because the Bible is so clear about those things. And then there's the practical world we live in that is challenging as well. Satan, who is often referred to in Scripture as the God of this world, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. There, he does have power, and it's to blind unbelievers. God of this world. He, is, he won't always be in control, but there are things he's able to do. And the second, of course, is how do we resist the devil and stand strong in a practical way in the visible realm? So let me begin first with the Christ-centered life. The Christ-centered life is going to be as unpredictable as a wildfire having no limits or no boundaries. You cannot predict the days ahead. It just, it can't, can't be done. Proverbs 16, verse one. A man makes plans, but the Lord directs his steps. You and I, we make plans. We have our own thoughts and ideas and what needs to happen. But only God knows how to direct you. Only God. That's why it's important to be close to him. Only God knows how to direct you past the satanic snares, the schemes of the fowler, and how you can walk through the valley of shadow of death toward the highest and best purposes. If you're not going to be governed or open to the leading and the direction of the Spirit, you're going to face some challenges. And this thing... Though as unpredictable it is, I can tell you this for sure. That your new life in Christ is going to cost you your old life. You can't straddle both camps. It's not going to be good in either one. You'll feel shame and guilt and weight of not being able to do one. And you'll, you'll feel uh, the burden and, the, and all of the sin. and all the, You just can't be in both camps. Your new life in Christ is going to cost you your old life. So... Paul got this when he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live but Christ in me. He had given up his old lifestyles. All that's been going on. Now, it takes me much time to say what I want to say. And I spent 
time laboring over some of these words. But you must be willing to put aside comfortable thinking to begin with. Not comforts. Comforts are not the problem. It's what you think about the comforts. It's what you hold on to, what you abide in. So you need to to live this crucified life. You're going to have to put aside comfortable thinking and open up to letting go toxic attitudes. There's toxic attitudes in the church that just aren't right. And work, work, labor at changing behaviors. Behaviors don't always change overnight. But that doesn't mean you don't labor at it. Work at changing those behaviors. Only by becoming teachable and willfully willfully submitting to the double-edged sword of the word of God will you be, and here we go, here's the title of the message, forged, forged in the fire, becoming exactly the man or the woman of God you were born to be at birth. Forged in the fire. We're being forged in the fire. The, story, the, the, the idea of being forged in the fire is, is not new. The story of Job is a story about a man being forged in the fire. The story of Moses, his early life, challenges, forged in the fire. The story of David facing Goliath, running from Saul in the caves of Adullam. All the challenges with the family life, all those things forged in the fire to become the king that he needed to be, a man after God's own heart. Story of Gideon, story forging in the fire. Gideon was the least of his family, least of his tribe, least of the clan, least of all the people, yet God called him. So let this think in, forge in that idea. The strongest swords are forged in the hottest fires. The strongest swords are pounded and struck repeatedly by the blacksmith. You see, the fire gives the sword power and flexibility. The blows of the blacksmith give the sword its strength. Now, it's not hard for me to look through this crowd and say to you, how how many of you have ever been burned? How many of you have felt burned or fires licking at your feet? You say, Pastor, I've not only been burned, I've been beaten a few times over my life and left for dead just like the man on the road to Jericho was. But here's where I want you to think something different. It's time to change your thinking and your attitude regarding the circumstances of your life. And that's hard to do. I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying it's easy. You have not been burned or beaten and left for dead forever. Change your thinking to You've been forged in the fire. You are stronger than you have ever been. I've been forged in the fire. You've been forged in the fire. God has made you stronger than ever to stand against every weapon that the enemy has formed against you right now. Those things that have come your way, you've made it. You're here today because you've got through it, not because you succumbed to it. There's been a forging going on. You have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You all have a testimony. Last week I mentioned that you all have a testimony, each, every one of you in this place. Let's be absolutely clear in the midst of all the challenges. I, boy, I, I, I like what God's doing in my life and I'm blessed and I'm, the favor of God is real. But let's be clear. When Jesus told his disciples this, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. What's he saying? There's a real 
thing going on. He's saying following me is unpredictable and at times it's dangerous. Take up your cross. We know what the cross led Jesus to. But see, your enemy, Satan, wants... Let's go back to the invisible realm just for a second. Your enemy, Satan, wants to spill your blood. He wants to take you out. He was a murderer, the Bible says, from the beginning. He attacked Jesus. That He wanted to take him out. The early church father, Tertullian, said, though, in the mid-second century, this was not all for loss. He said, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That was in the second century. We're here because people laid down their life for the cause of Christ when it wasn't popular, wasn't easy, wasn't simple, wasn't comfortable. I've been, I mentioned to you, I've been in contact with Ed, our brother, all this week. I've called him a number of times and sent pictures. I'm going to send him that video of us worshiping for them. He's in the front lines. I've talked to him in person, and you know, when I called him the first time, Jay! <laughs> He's always laughing. The guy never looks discouraged, ever. Front lines in Ukraine. He says bombs are going off, missiles are landing. He's carrying his cross all the way to the front line in the fiery furnace in Ukraine. A satanic war. God does not, is not the author of wars. Enemy ultimately initiated. And there he is bringing food, supplies, to the civilians caught in the crossfire. Someone we know. Someone that's part of our life. And I don't know if Natasha's here and the kids are here today, but... Ed told me the same thing. He said, Jay, hundreds are coming to know the Lord at the very front, the villages. He sent me pictures of children that are at the front. Children, six and seven-year-olds. They had a flashlight, a chocolate bar, and a Bible. I mean, and I just, what, what do you say to that? What do you, how do you respond to that? But this has always been the way of Christ's followers. It's our burden to bear, to take the gospel where it's hard. Not easy, not simple. Forged in the, you've been forged in the fire for a reason. At home here, no one should be surprised that it's increasingly hard, increasingly hard to let your light shine for Jesus as the line grows ever thin between right and wrong. It's a very big challenge. But we know, Scripture says, Scripture warns us, it's not something that we shouldn't be prepared for. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. This is Peter writing. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to, to devour. The enemy is, is prowling like a, it's like a, it's a metaphor to, de to devour you. But it wasn't always a metaphor. It was an actual practice that we know to have literally taken place. Many Christians were fed to half-starved lions, burned alive at the stake, and hacked to death in the ancient Rome Colosseum that we go and tour now. I've been there several times. It's another surreal moment, thinking back over the years. In our nation, we, you and I, we don't face persecution of that nature. In fact, that's why I never use the word whatever you think we've gone through up until this time and the challenges with government and all kinds of things, and we all have feelings and ideas about that. Do, I, I do not call it persecution. It's uncomfortable for sure. But no one's died that I know of like in the Roman Colosseum. But there could come a day, and even now, when a follower of Christ 
will be called appalling. You'll be called appalling. And you'll be called evil for your stance on the sanctity of life that is no longer shared with many in our world. Or on human sexuality. Or on gender identity. There's only two genders. And by opposing the liberal brand of theological teachings that are out there, there's, there's, you're going to be called things. You're going to be called bigot. You're going to be called a lunatic. If you disagree or have a contrary opinion to the woke community who are attempting to rewrite biblical faith, if you even suggest anything of that nature, you're going to be attacked. If that isn't hard enough, which is it's very challenging, You've been, asked, you've been asked by Jesus to love those who accuse you without judging or condemning them. Or <laughs> where did you get off asking me this? I get to be attacked and I have to love those that are attacking me. Anything less would make you a part of the problem. Those are hard words. Anything less than loving those that are attacking you, you're part of the problem. You begin to hate, get angry, feel like you need to rebel and fight again. In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus gives a synopsis of the forge, the forge that you and I are living in. When he tells Peter and the disciples, he says this, this is the forge. I will build my church. The church is the forge. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. So three truths of the fiery forge that you abide in right now that we are living in. First, Christ will have a church in this world. It survived the last 2,000 years. It will continue to survive whether you want to be part of it or not is up to you. Hell will do all it can to destroy the church. We will be attacked. We will be thought of ill even though we want to care and love and have the best interests of others. The church will still survive. It will flourish. And none, thirdly, none of Satan's schemes will be able to destroy the church. It will continue to grow. It will continue to move because it's God's church, not ours. So it can, that's that invisible realm. It's very, it's foraging. It's a forge of fire for us right now. But let me move to the second touching component because there's many practical things that we can do in the visible realm, practical anchor points to attach ourselves to when walking through the wildfires and the valley of the shadow of death. There's things we can attach ourselves to when we're facing the fiery furnaces of this life. A scripture verse that is worth remembering that I've always, that has always helped keep me going at moments of time, and it's the value of being close to Jesus and opening up scripture to you when you actually need it to respond to what's going on. It was from Isaiah. I heard it many years ago, my very first time, and it's always been one of those ones that has resonated in my heart. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not harm you. What a promise. What, 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 what a beautiful promise to carry into this fiery forge that we're living through. And it's challenging. But the first practical anchor point 
And you know how I like to stretch things and look for clues and mysteries, and, and I, I, whether they're really there or not is not the, beside the point for me. Uh, but uh, the fact of the matter, I think there's a hidden clue in the very first seven words of the Bible, and it becomes my first anchor point that I'm going to share with you. First seven words. It's just like Jesus. For me, it was, in the beginning, God created the heavens. Seven words. God created space, and he created a lot of space. Growing up, one of my favorite TV shows was Star Trek, the first one, not the second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth, and seventh, and eighth. Space, the final frontier. The final frontier is my and your first anchor point, space. What do I mean? To overcome the schemes of the enemy, the snares of the devil, the evil one, is to make space for the Lord to direct your steps. Space. Finding space in your busy everyday life for God to direct your steps around the snares and the schemes. You, you, you must do it. He'll help you, but you must find a solution in daily drawing near to God. Stop blaming anybody else. Find space for God to touch your life. Now, I could do this and I won't, but you could do it yourself. You could be a self You can take your phone and you click on system if you have an iPhone, and you can look, how much time have I spent on my iPhone? And it will tell you the day, how much time a day, a week. And I won't tell you how much time it came up for me, <laughs> but you could do it yourself. And you will find and discover, for most of you, hours. Hours, right, Emily? Hours. Not blaming Emily. Hours. You must find a daily solution. Bible reading is important. Do it somehow, whether you're listening to it on the radio, on your app, at night, in the morning. Forget about, just, just find a solution. Conversational prayer. Learn that just, just when I'm driving, I'm praying. You can put your earbuds in now. We have all the techniques. Walk around Costco getting stuff, talking to people. And they're not going to think anything different. You can be talking to Jesus. Drawing near to God. Reflection, worship, meditation. Giving thanks. Do you give thanks? Anyway, just say, thank you, Lord. I'm sure the greens are giving thanks today. Theirs was a literal fiery furnace, and God delivered them from them as children. That would be harrowing. Giving space to God to move through your life is committing to spiritual disciplines. They're essential elements in life of a spiritually healthy follower. You want to be healthy. Seeking to escape the snare of the enemy, you have to find space. For God to move in your life. He's not a genie. Everyone must choose between one of two fiery furnaces. The fiery, the fiery, and it is, the fiery furnace of discipline with the Lord or the fiery furnace of pain, of regret, of not being disciplined. Each is a fiery furnace. You need to choose which one you'll walk in. I could exempt, exercise for instance, is exercise a punishment or is it beneficial? Is working out a punishment or a blessing? I'd like to say it's a punishment, but it's a blessing. Healthy diet. Is, a, is it a punishment to eat healthy or is it valuable? 
good nutrition isn't restrictive, it's healing. You can make the choice. Spiritual disciplines may not look the same for everyone, but I'm telling you, it's something every one of you needs to be fighting for every day. You need to be doing that. The darkness is real. The challenges are real. The fiery forge furnace is real. Second anchor point. Learn this. I said over that when I first returned from the sabbatical that I'd try to out, roll out some of the things that I felt like we learned when we were away. The second one is come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I didn't know how tired I was. I'm guessing many of you don't know how tired you are. Every one of you needs to find some rest. Rest. Rest in the Lord. And the sabbatical reminded me the time that I needed rest. Even God, who doesn't need to rest, rested on the seventh day. Even the creator of the universe that never gets tired, never gets weary, never sleeps nor slumbers, chose rest over work. A tired soldier in the army of God is easily defeated. An exhausted soldier in the army of the Lord probably will surrender without much fight. It's a war we're in, a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And I'm not talking about taking holidays. I'm taking a, talking about taking a few holy days, moments to be with Jesus. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So somewhere along the line, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you find time. I don't know, but you need to do it. Seriously, you need to unplug from some of the stress that you're under. Self-imposed stress, some of it. Turn off the TV. Turn off the video games. I don't think we've had our TV, well, we had it on last night because I had the boys over and they were wanting to watch the hockey game. It's only the second time the TV's been on since I've been back. And some of you just need to get some proper sleep. You've forgotten the power of rest. There's, I came across this as I was doing some research. It's called hurry sickness. It was identified in 1985 by a cardiologist who recognized that nearly all of his heart disease patients had a lifestyle of hurry. Hurry sickness is not an actual medical condition, but it impacts the body when you are living constantly feeling rushed or anxious when there's no need to. We, we, we want to be rushed because it somehow validates that we're doing something valuable. Proverbs says this, if you sit down, rest, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Some of us need to remember that. Stop being run ragged. You don't need to, and this is a snare you don't need a billion dollars to have a good life. And yet, when you go on social media, that's where they, you can become a billionaire. Just get up at five o'clock in the morning, rush like crazy, work harder than everybody else, don't go to sleep, don't. And, and it's a trap. No one needs a billion dollars to be happy. You don't need this, you don't even need a side hustle to be useful in the kingdom of God. Now, I know that some of those things are, you know, if God's calling you this stuff, that's different, but you don't need one. God will provide your needs. He looks after the bread. Let God direct your steps. Satan's greatest temptation in our culture is to get us to bow to the God of money. And I'm not opposed to making money. Don't hear it. Bow. I mean, that's all. Again, Proverbs, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Listen, some of you have gifts and talents that 
resources come to you. They're not just for you. Some of us, you, you trust in the Lord. The final anchor, maybe one of the greatest of all practical lifelines in the fiery forge, can only be introduced in part for me this morning. I can't do it in totality. And it comes from Proverbs again. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. The greatest lifeline throughout the course of your life is the anchors of having others around to walk with through the fire. No one makes it through alone. No one. No one makes it through alone. To make yourself stronger and better to defeat the enemy in that invisible kingdom, you're going to need relationships. And obviously that's an enormous topic. King Solomon said it this way. And I'm going to expand on some of the other relationships at other times. But this is what he said. I mean, he was the richest man of his day, the most powerful man of the kingdom. No one compared to King Solomon. And this is what he says at the end of life. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. So if stuff and things and success and Power were not, what, what would be in place of that? How would this scripture apply? Well, this is the only way I can think of it. Most of us give our best energy, work, and time working harder to become successful in the eyes of people that really don't care about you. Many work harder for people who don't care about them than they do for those that love them. If you worked as hard as you do in your places of employment to get resources, on your marriages, on your children's life, on your extended family, the ones that love you, you would see an incredible turning of the tide. Like trees needing water, intimate relationships are living things and need to be nourished. Trees can't be left alone to fend for themselves, and neither can your relationships. And yet we work so hard for so many things. But the most beautiful thing that you might have with you is the one right next to you. And not just, the one, not just your spouse, not just your partner, but those around you. I'm facing a new week this week. I'm going to be turning 60. Now, I never had a problem with 40. I never had a problem with 50. 60 has given me some, some things. I have grandchildren. What are they? I am too young to have grandchildren. But what is it telling me? That time is passing. Seasons of life is passing pretty quickly. What do you want to do most in life? I want to connect with family and friends because that's what makes the fiery forge bearable. They, the friends and the people around you, people that you need to be connected to in this church are the wind at your back spurring you onward in midst of difficult moments. If Meshach was alone in the fiery furnace, he may have succumbed to the flames. But he had Shadrach and Meshach, and when they started dancing in there, there was another that joined them. Jesus, just like on the road to Emmaus. Jesus was closer than he thought. And when they joined them, there was a dance party. It was Pentecostal. They looked crazy. And just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, their hearts burned hotter than the fires that were meant to destroy them. 
See, when you're in the fiery forge alone is when the heat will destroy you, when the weight. But with Jesus and your crew, it's wind in your face, cooling you in a hot day. God, amazing. The fact is that you were created for fellowship. You were built for it. You were designed to walk in the cool of the day with your heavenly father and your wife and your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your neighbors, your, the body of Christ. It is a testimony. It's a beacon. It's, a, it's the forge that helps us move forward. And the fires are hot all around out there today and growing hotter. The beatings can be frequent, but you can defeat the darkness and all that come enemy has against you. You can be the sharp two-edged sword. You can walk through the fiery trials and avoid the flaming arrows. And how do you do it? Being near the ones you love. It's going to make all the difference in the kingdom, the two kingdoms colliding, the invisible and the visible. And the church is part of that. We're to be the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church, together. Forged in the fire, hearts burning for Jesus. We are not defeated. We're not falling apart. We're not broken. We have a way through it. And they sit right around us. So I come back to the thing that has touched me the most on my time away, the importance of being connected and in community. I know many that have decided that the church just isn't a place for them anymore. Followers of the Lord that have been fired up at one time that hardly even go. I'm saddened by it. I, I don't know what to do about it. I can't do much. But I can encourage you who said that you were open. Are you open to being involved? Not because of any guilt or weight. That's not... But it's your, it's the hope of glory. It's what will get you through the darkest times. We're going to help Jason and Emily because they're part of our church. We're going to help Ed in the front lines because he's a part of our body. We're going to help others because we know. It's our choice. It's your choice. The fire is real. The forge is real. But so is the church of the living God real. Amen? We've got a lot going for us. Let's close in a word of prayer. So, Father, I thank you. Lord, you're doing some new things in our midst, and there's some days ahead that we're looking forward to. There's challenges. There's opportunities. And we, with malice toward no one, no one that thinks different than we do, we're not angry, but we do want to stand for truth and righteousness. But we want to love all people and all men and women of every background and we want them to come to Christ we know that you do too so father we commit to you again our lives in this body and our friendships and, and family life and all those things that we would just be so open to you connecting us one to another may new friendships be built new families connect may this be a forge that produces beauty in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. 